This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. George Reed here, Johnny. Uh-oh, what fantastic character is Floyd's of England insured this time? Now, what is that supposed to mean? More singing mice, wayward cats, and how about the counterfeit money problem? Johnny... No, no, let me guess. John, if you'll just listen to I me. got it. You're in trouble because you've done a switch. You've insured somebody against living instead of the other way around, that it? Of course not. No, I must admit we do have one policy of that sort in effect. There, I knew it. However, that is not the one I called you about. Okay, George, what is? We've issued a policy. Well, I guess it is a little unusual at that. I fear the worst, but go on. Well, it's on a small brewery over near... Brewery? You mean a beer factory? That's right. It's over near the town of Tamaqua, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, I know that country pretty well. Good. We've insured the Dortmund Brewery against possible damage from a nearby construction project. Well, you said unusual. What's so unusual about that? Uh, perhaps you'd better come over here and let me tell you. Yeah. When you say it that way, I guess I'd better. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Floyd's of England, North American office, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the JPD matter. Expense account item one, $1.10, taxi, from my apartment at George Reed's office, where he promptly dragged me over to a large map tacked to one of the walls. Here it is, Johnny, between the towns of Tamaqua and Frackville, Pennsylvania, on a little river that's called uh, Pinksatawney Creek. Old Indian name, I believe. Uh-huh. The Dortmund Brewery is just about here. Yeah. Well, okay, I'll rent a car in New York and drive over there. Now, wait. By making a couple of train changes, you can get most of the way over there by rail. Anything to save the company a buck, is that it? Why not? When that freewheeling expense account of yours gets into operation... Okay, okay. What's the face value of the policy? Coverage for the whole plant, $820,000. Wow-wee. So I'll rent a car in New York. All right, all right. Now, as I told you, we've insured the Dortmund Brewery against possible damage from the building of a plant right next to it. What kind of a plant? Competition. Another brewery. Oh, I see. Possible malicious damage. Is that what they're thinking of? Mm, That's what J.P. seems to be worried about. J.P.? J.P. Dortman. Owner, manager, president, brewmeister, and anything else you can think of. Has anything happened yet? No, but I want you to go there and be sure that nothing does. Is this J.P. my contact? Yes. Okay, George, I'm on my way. Expense account item two, nine thirty-five, fare and incidentals, Hartford to New York. Item three, fifty dollars, deposit on a drive-your-own car. Item four, fifty cents, toll through the Holland Tunnel. 
I cut straight across the top of Jersey, crossed the Delaware at Phillipsburg, and finally pulled into the little town of Tamakwa shortly after 6 p.m. Items 5, 6, and 7, 12, 20. For dinner, a place to rest my weary head and breakfast the next morning. The Dortmund Brewery sat on the western bank of Pinksatawney Creek, about five miles out of town, and looked as though it had been sitting there for a thousand years. It was a small affair, and the old frame buildings were badly in need of a coat of paint. Just north of it rose a towering cliff, and on top of that cliff stood an array of cranes and machines and bulldozers that are used on modern large-scale construction jobs. I parked my car at the entrance of the office building and was greeted at the door by a large, raw-boned woman of about 50 with straggly yellow hair and wearing a faded blue cotton dress that looked as though it hadn't been ironed in years. Something I can do for you? Oh, why, uh, I'm looking for Mr. J.P. Dorton. Mr. That's a laugh. Is it? Why? Because I'm J.P. What? That's right. Anything wrong with it? Well, I... Hey, uh... wait a minute. You another of those lawyers from that job up on the cliff come to fancy talk me about no. not having to worry in the world about what they're doing to no, me up there? No, no. And how I... I'd better mind my own business. What do you mean, no? My name is Dollar, Johnny Dollar. I'm here on behalf of Floyd's of England. The insurance company? Well, now, that's different. You come on into my private office, Johnny. Her private office was furnished with a battered walnut desk, some ancient filing cabinets, and a couple of straight wooden chairs. Nothing else. Hardly the kind of an office you'd expect for the president of a company worth $820,000. There's nothing fancy about it, Johnny, because there's nothing fancy about any part of my brewery. But that isn't what counts. We've been here ever since my great-great-grandfather built it up. And all we've cared about is making the finest beer in the country. Gretchen? And we do make it, too. Gretchen, can't you hear me out? Yes, Jimmy. Gretchen, I want you to bring Mr. Dollar a pitcher full and a glass. Yes, ma'am. Well, look, I'm afraid I'm not much of a beer You man, will so. be when you've tasted this. It's the creek that does it, you know, Pinksatawney Creek. Finest water for beer in the whole United States. That's what makes good beer, you know. Yes, so I've heard. That's why that dirty Clarkson Kemper bunch are building up on the cliff to get at that water. I understand they'll be your competitors. All their fancy modern equipment and methods can't produce the brew the way I can. The long, slow, easy way. With all the good old-fashioned apparatus. The old country methods. Yes, I see. Now... By Johnny, we make our own barley malt. And we grind it by hand. And we come up with a wart that's second to none in the world. The old-type sparger, too. And the hopjacks. And the finest strain of yeast there is. Yes, I'm sure that Three you... full months we age before we rack a drop. Sure, we take more time and more trouble, but we come up with a better brew, better than any modern plant can ever make. Well, then what's your problem? They're getting ready to blast up on that cliff. Blast? A whole big chunk of it away. And when they do, that whole thing will come crashing down here, thousands of tons of rock. Well, surely there's some state authority or something to prevent that. Oh, they've bamboozled the authorities, and your insurance company, too. They'll say it was an accident, a miscalculation. And when that rock comes crashing down here, it'll wreck this whole plant of mine. Well, you do have insurance, remember. It'll wreck all my fine old equipment that can never again be replaced because there are no such things anymore. Well, when's all this blasting supposed to take place? Who knows? Tonight, tomorrow, next week. Who knows? That soon? Yeah. So, Johnny, if there's anything you can do, you'd better do it now. What's insurance money if I have to lose this for it? Who knows? Maybe she was right suspecting her rivals might try a stunt like that to put her out of business. But it all seemed a little too far-fetched. 
And yet, when I think of some of the unscrupulous things that have been done to put down competition, maybe she was justified in suspecting this Carlson Kemper crowd of... Yeah, maybe she was. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Our flag now numbers 50 stars, and behind each star, there stands yet another flag representing one of the 50 states. Massachusetts state flag, bearing a green pine tree, is the descendant of the famous Liberty Tree flag that came out of Boston to serve all the original 13 colonies. It was under the Liberty Tree flag that the Sons of Liberty met and planned the Boston Tea Party, that our floating batteries on the Delaware River defended Philadelphia, and on the Charles River defied Howe's cannons. Beneath the tree is inscribed the state motto, Ensu petit placidum sub libertate quietum. By the sword we seek peace, but peace only under liberty. These words were originally written by the famous English patriot Algernon Sidney about 1659. This was a message intended for King George III. Unhappily, it went unheeded. Massachusetts state flag, the flag of the sixth state to enter the Union, was adopted on March 18, 1904. And now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the J.P.D. Matter. If J.P. Dorpen was right... If there was the least possibility she was right in her suspicion that Carlson Kemper would blast thousands of tons of rock down on a little plant in order to put her out of business. Well, there was only one thing to do. I got back into my car and drove by a roundabout way up to the top of the cliff overlooking the Dortmund Brewery. There in the middle of the vast array of heavy construction equipment, giant cranes, trucks, huge cement mixers, and so on, I found the main construction shack. And by a stroke of luck, one of the partners in the proposed new brewery, Mr. James Carlson. <laughs> Ah, that crazy old lady's being absurd, Mr. Dollar. If <laughs> you really want the truth, well, I think she'd welcome our smashing that antiquated brewery of hers out of existence. Is that what you plan to do, Mr. Carlson? Can you be serious? By blasting a few tons of rock off the face of the cliff into the river? Or a few thousand tons? Or a few thousand tons. Won't do that place of hers a bit of harm. You're sure? Of course I'm sure. Only thing I'm not sure of is why she stays in business. What do you mean by that? Well, she can't be making any money. Methods she uses were out of date in this country 50 years ago. The product's good, sure. But today, you've got snowball. Did you know, Dollar, that out of the goodness of my heart, I offer to take that crummy plant of hers off her hands? Or because her location is better, down next to the water supply. Oh, partly, sure. I offered her nearly half a million for her spot. To 400,000, to be exact. But no dice. She just kept bothering us, trying to get out a lot of injunctions against our building there. I assume you have the necessary permits for this blasting operation. <laughs> Whole draw for them. Hey, look at them yourself. At the same time, appreciate the volume of red tape necessary to do anything these days. But suppose that something should go wrong. That quite by accident, the top of that cliff should drop down on J.P.'s brewery. Mr. Dollar, it's to obviate any such possibility that I called in one of the foremost blasters in the country. Who, uh, purely incidentally, is top man for one of the biggest makers of explosives in the world. You talk to him, Mr. Donner. Maybe I will. Believe me, I can understand why you might not take my word for the safety of the operation we're about to undertake, but certainly you can't question his word. You say about to undertake. When? I believe he's planned the big blow-off for tonight. Tonight? Yeah, come on. I'll take you to him. We found this expert, a Mr. Sidney Crutchfield, in a small, tidy shack set out near the edge of the cliff. 
working over a series of complicated diagrams with a busy slide rule in his hand. And I must confess, he turned out to be one of the most interesting men I've ever met. Tall, slim, and gray-haired, he had a quiet, easy, yet confident manner that completely belied his hazardous occupation. This was the man who had done the dynamiting for some of the biggest jobs in this country, had moved mountains and rivers in the construction of huge dams, had blasted the way for some of our vast highway networks. As you can see by the dates on these sheets, I finished planning this blast over two weeks ago. But I find that constant checking and rechecking never does any harm. Mr. Carlson tells me you plan to set off this blast tonight. Yes. Actually, I shall push the plunger at exactly 2 o'clock tomorrow morning. If Mr. Carlson is ready. Don't you worry about it, Mr. Crutchfield. We're moving the equipment and the shacks away right now. Excellent. And at the time of the blast, no one is to be here but me. That's what your contract says. And that's the way it must be. For safety, Mr. Crutchfield? <laughs> well call it a fetish of mine. Uh-huh. And there'll be no damage to the brewery plant down below? I'll stake my reputation on it. Come, Mr. Dollar. If you like, I'll show you how I've made the sets for this blast. We spent the rest of the day inspecting every tunnel, shaft, and drill hole into which the explosives have been packed and fused. And the artistry of this man was evident from the word go. By 6 p.m., all the machines and shacks and equipment had been moved back from the edge of the cliff that was to be blown off. The place was deserted, except for Mr. Crutchfield and me. And now, you must get into your car and leave, Mr. Dollar. But if there's no danger... Please. I prefer it this way. Surely you're not still concerned about the blast? <sighs> to be honest about it, no. Not one bit. And I wasn't at the moment. Yeah, this amazing man simply couldn't do anything wrong. I would have staked my life on it. But by the time I'd driven the long, curving road to the Dortmund Brewery below, had found the place not only deserted, but completely shut down, a funny little hunch began to grow in the back of my head. Even the office building was dark, as far as I could see. With the help of a business card, I slipped the lock on the front door. And then I saw the thin streak of light under the door of J.P.'s private office. I thought I heard something in there. The office was a shambles. Account books and papers scattered all over the place. A couple of cartons, the drawers of the crusty old files were open and for the most part empty. Somebody had been hastily packing and removing all the important papers. But why? I'm sorry, Johnny. Oh, uh... Sorry! Oh! And you seemed like such a nice boy. Come on! Three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Anyone who has survived the rigors of basic training is familiar with a great variety of milk that is dished out periodically in the armed forces. Now, there's frozen milk, concentrated milk, frozen concentrate, and good old powdered milk. But sometimes, supplying wholesome, fresh, real milk has been a problem when servicemen have been stationed in out-of-the-way places. The United States Air Force came across that problem some time ago in the island of Teixeira in the Azores, those Portuguese islands that dot an eastern portion of the Atlantic Ocean. The air base there was considered powdered milk country for a long time. 
Although cattle have played an important role in the economy of the island of Teixeira, the herd was badly inbred and milk production was very low. Modern milk processing was not a part of the picture. And with the help of Portuguese veterinarians, the men in the United States Air Force unit worked out a free breeding service by using a small herd of milk cows acquired in England and the cattle there at Teixeira improved. Then, a complete pasteurizing, homogenizing, sterilizing, bottling refrigeration plant was flown in from the United States. As soon as this activity got underway, milk production began to climb steadily, and thirsty Air Force men and civilians were soon buying and drinking the new fresh milk. When economy of the island began to rise rapidly, the people were happy and grateful. You might say, but a little milk of human kindness increased understanding on an island of freedom, the right of all men everywhere. And now, act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the JPD Matter. When I came to in the office of the Dortmund Brewery, my head fell as though it had been split wide open. The sash weight that had been used on it lay beside me. But why had J.P. struck me down from behind the door where she'd been waiting for me? And why before that had she been hastily packing a lot of business papers, bills and so on, to take away? A couple of them still lay under me where I'd fallen. It was several minutes before I found strength enough to roll over and try to push myself to my feet. As I did so, two things. I saw two things. One was a bill she'd overlooked in her haste to get away. A bill from Frankline Powder Company addressed to her personally. A bill for 21 cases of dynamite and some other explosives. The other was my watch. I'd been out for hours, too many hours. For according to my watch, it was 1.52 a.m., exactly eight minutes before the tremendous dynamite blast on the cliff above was to be set off. And suddenly I knew where, somehow, by her plan, those thousands of tons of rock would land, and not harmlessly in the river below. And I knew why J.P. had left me here. So I'd be crushed by them. Oh. 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 Come on, come on, come on. Oh, please, please, come on. Hello, hello. Oh, please, hello, hello. Operator. Operator, this is emergency. Yes, sir. Hey, look now, I'm, I'm calling from Dortmund Brewery. It's between... Yes, I know where it is, sir. There's a big construction... Carlson Kemper, that's the name. Well, sir, Up on the I... cliff above this, this sir, brewery here. I'm sorry, but those lines were disconnected late this afternoon. What? But look, surely there's some way to... Operator. I'm sorry, sir, but there's no way to ring them. Oh, no. Oh, I've got... I've got to get out. I've just got to get out of here. Somehow I've got to get out of there and get it. Oh, no, I'm... Please, I got it. I gotta get it. I gotta get it. Oh, no. My head, I Oh, no, no. 
stop. Stop. Who's that? What are you doing? Crutchfield. Stop. 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 I thought I told you. Don't push that plunger. I'm sorry, Don't set off that flash. That's exactly what I'm going to do right now. No, you're not. No, no. I'm sorry, Mr. Dollar. You have no right to interfere. Now stand back. You hear what I said. Dollar. Put down that gun. You touched that plunger and so help me. I'll pull this trigger. Wait a minute. Dollar. Dollar, what's the matter with you? What's happened to you, man? Good heavens, man. I guess it was just luck that I was still hanging on to that bill for the dynamite that I found. I guess it was luck that made Crutchfield grab it when he tried to keep me from falling made him look at it carefully by the light of his flashlight. But it was his good sense that kept him from going ahead and setting off that charge. When daylight came, he found the spot on the face of the cliff where J.P. had another charge planted. It was set to go off by concussion from the blast that Crutchfield had set. It would have diverted the rock from Crutchfield's blast to smack dab on top of her little beer factory. Nobody would ever have known who'd really done it. And J.P. would have collected 820,000 insurance for it. Incidentally, when the police caught up with her, which wasn't hard, they also found the book she'd taken from her office. Yeah, J.P. Dortman was broke. Stony. Expense account total, including a handful of doctor bills for my aching head, and all the incidentals I could think of, $204.80. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Our star will return in just a moment. Our flag now numbers 50 stars, and behind each star, there stands yet another flag, representing one of the 50 states. The origin of Hawaii state flag has been the subject of much debate. It is now believed that it was the work of foreign advisors to King Kamehameha. Legend also has it that it was designed at the request of King Kamehameha by George Beckley, an English sea captain. The flag consists of eight horizontal and alternating stripes of white, red, and blue, representing the eight major islands in the chain. Also represented is the British Union Jack, a reminder of Captain Vancouver, who on his voyage around the world in 1794 gave King Kamehameha a British flag and the promise of British protection. The Union Jack is also a reminder of Captain James Cook, who discovered the Hawaiian Islands in 1778. Hawaii state flag, the flag of the 50th state to enter the Union, was adopted in 1845. Now, here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, the ideal vacation matter. But believe me, it turns out to be neither ideal nor a vacation. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. 
like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Pat McCracken, Johnny, Universal Adjustment Bureau. Oh, hi, Pat. Hey, I thought you were on vacation. I was. I got called back right in the middle of it in the of Ned Grant. You know him? Grant, the Broadway columnist? That's the one. Well, what's he got to do with your vacation? He's heavily insured by one of the companies we represent. And right now, he's taking his vacation. Wow. Well, Ned has made a lot of enemies in his time. I know. I read his column. Yeah. And it looks like one of those enemies is trying to make Ned's vacation permanent. Savvy? I'll be right over, Pat. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Home Office Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the ideal vacation matter. Expense account item one, $1.20 for a taxi from my apartment to the Office of Universal Adjustment Bureau, where Pat McCracken was waiting for me, his face covered with sunburn and worry. Just when I was beginning to relax and enjoy my vacation. Sit down, Johnny. Thanks. Now, what's the deal about this Ned Grant? When you say you read his column, you know he prints some pretty blunt stuff sometimes. Yeah. I've often wondered how he gets away with it. A couple of years ago, he dug up some evidence on a bad boy named Willie Bemis. Bemis. Bemis, yeah. The stuff he printed helped get Bemis convicted, didn't it? Yeah, but he swore he'd get even with Ned. Oh, well, a fellow in Ned Grant's position hears that kind of threat all the time. Besides, with Bemis in jail, what's the problem? None at all, Johnny. If he were in jail, he broke out last night. Oh, I see. Does Grant know that Bemis is on the road? No, I told you, Grant's on vacation. Probably as far from a newspaper as he can get. So you think he's in danger? Well, what would you think? Oh, but if Bemis has any sense, he's heading in some other direction as fast as he can. We can't afford to take the chance, Johnny. Well, look, Pat, I still don't see where I figure in this. Why not just arrange for police protection for Grant until Bemis gets picked up? <laughs> Want to protect a guy, you got to find him first. Find him? Yeah. You mean you don't know where Grant is? Apparently nobody knows. Oh, great. And I'm supposed to find him. That's right. Oh, and do me a favor, huh? Like what? Find him before Willie Bemis does. <laughs> I knew enough about Bemis to realize he wouldn't hesitate to gun down anybody who got in his way, including me. So I headed for New York. That's item two, $23.40. I located the apartment house where Ned Grant lived and had a talk with a manager in his office at the rear of the first floor. I'm sorry, Mr. Dollar, but I really don't have the slightest idea where Mr. Grant went on his vacation. Well, didn't he leave a forwarding address? No, he just told me to hold all his mail for him here until he got back. And he didn't say anything at all that would give you a clue as to where he might have gone. Huh? None at all. Oh, great. I don't know if you know Mr. Grant very Not well, personally. but... Uh, well, he's unpredictable, let's put it that way. 
course, the kind of life he leads would make a character out of anyone, I guess. You mean batting out that column every day, huh? Yes, and his phone ringing every ten minutes and strange people traipsing up to see him at all hours. Really, I can understand his not telling anyone where he went on his vacation. He just wanted to get away from it all. He kept saying that this time he was going to have an ideal vacation. Ideal vacation. That could mean anything from a trip to the moon to... Well, Lord knows what. Tell me this. Did he take much luggage? Well, I don't even know, but he hadn't been gone ten minutes before my phone started ringing with calls for it. Your phone? Oh, yes, Mr. Grant had his disconnected before he left. Uh, tell me, Mr. Dollar, what's so uh, urgent about finding Mr. Grant? There's an escaped convict named Willie Bemis who has it in for him. Oh? He could be looking for Grant. If so, I have to find Grant first. I see. Well, I wish I had more information for you. Oh, I tell you, you might try Miss uh, Anthony. Huh? Possibly she could help you. Well, who's Miss Anthony? Uh, Doris Anthony, uh, well, uh, a close friend of Mr. Grant. Oh, you know where I can find her, where she lives? Well, as I understand it, she has a small apartment somewhere on uh, East 73rd Street. Good, I'll find it. Thanks, Mr. Crothers. I walked outside and hailed a taxi. But then, just as I was about to step into it, I froze. Because I caught a glimpse of somebody walking quickly into the service entrance at the side. And there was just enough light to tell me it was none other than Willie Bemis. I headed back in fast and straight to the door of Crothers' little office. The door of it was locked. Crothers, open up. Crothers. Okay, then I'll open it. Hey, Crothers, what happened to you? Oh, um, Mr. Dollar. That's right. What happened? This man, right after you left, he came barging in. That was Willie Bemis. What did you tell him, Curtis? Only, only what I told you. And it looks like he and I are starting out even. Huh? But this is one race I don't want to end up in what you'd call a dead heat. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. And now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the ideal vacation matter. I looked up Doris Anthony's address on East 73rd and took a cab. That's item three, $1.75 to her apartment. She was tall, rangy, dark hair. And somewhere along the line, I'd seen her before, but I couldn't remember where. Ned Grant, how would I know where he is? He isn't exactly the sort of guy that lets you in on his plans. Hey, listen, Doris, this may be the oldest line in the book, and I know it, but haven't I seen you somewhere before? Could be. I've been around a while. Like where? Oh, I used to sing in a couple clubs around town. That's where I met Ned. He liked me, so he helped me. In his column, that what you mean? Yeah, that's what I mean. His apartment manager says you're a very good friend of Ned's. He has a lot of girlfriends. My main claim to fame is I'm always handy. Well, look... Grant told the apartment manager he was going to take an ideal vacation. Any idea what that would mean? Or where? Sure. Wherever there are girls. What do you want him for? Somebody's out to get him. What do you mean? Who? Willie Bemis. That name mean anything to you? Bemis is in prison. He was. He's out now. What? When? You didn't know? I haven't read the papers today. Does that change your mind any about helping me find him? Look, really, I don't know where he is. Honest. There is one thing that might help, though. Yeah, what? Well, a week or so ago, while I was out with Ned, he stopped in at a travel agency. 
Uh, Davis, I think the agent's name was, on 50, 51st Street around there. Okay, I'll follow it up. Johnny, if Ned doesn't know, Bemis... Yeah, and if I don't get to him first, he's in for a real nasty surprise. There was still something about Doris that stuck in my mind, but I couldn't quite peg it. So I decided to do a little quick research on her. I dropped in to see an old friend who worked in one of the newspapers. We dug through a lot of clippings in the morgue. Doris had sung at half a dozen spots around town, and there were a lot of pictures on her. Then I came to one that rang a large-sized bell. It was a shot of her sitting at a nightclub table. And a man sitting there with her was Willie Bemis. I headed back to her apartment fast. But she was gone. The manager told me she'd left in a hurry and with a suitcase. Now I didn't know where I stood. If Doris was still friendly with Bemis, it could very well be that she knew where Grant was and was helping Willie Bemis find him. In that case, the lead she gave me on the travel agent was only a bum steer to throw me off the trail. But the way things stood, I didn't have anything else to go on at the moment, so I had to take a chance she'd been on the level. I headed for West 50th Street and the travel agent she'd tell me about, a man named Davis. Ned Grant. Look, customers like him I can do without. What do you mean by that? Here, I'll show you. Here we are. A reservation at Nassau. Here's one in Bermuda. Oh, and here's one for the Virgin Islands. He had you make all those for him? Every one. That sort of thing doesn't make me very popular at those resorts, believe me. Well, it's a sense he can't be at all those places. If you ask me, he's not at any of them. He's always doing that sort of thing. Well, that's a lot of help. Just the same, I'm going to call those places. Where's your phone? Right there on the desk. But I tell you... Excuse me. Hello? Who? Oh, yeah, just a minute. Uh, it's for you, Mr. Dollar. Oh, Thanks. Johnny Dollar. It's Doris Anthony, Johnny. Well, well, I didn't think I'd be hearing from you again. Why not? After I found out you were an old friend of Willie Bemis, I went back to your apartment. You'd cleared up. Johnny, I'm no longer a friend of Willie Bemis. Oh, now, wait a minute, sister. It's the truth. But I was afraid he might come to see me. That's why I left. Oh, sure. Johnny, the reason I'm calling, I think I know where Ned could be. Where? Well, I'm not sure, but a few days ago, he went to see a friend of his named Mike Hastings. Mike owns a ski lodge up in Vermont. Ski lodge? There's no skiing this time of year. I know. The lodge is closed, but Ned's gone up there once or twice before when he wanted to get away from everything. <sighs> okay, where is it? It's called Hastings Lodge, about 20 miles beyond Bradbury, on a little country road. Now, look. I have no choice but to go on up there. Have you told anyone else about this? No, of course not. Okay, Doris. Don't. <laughs> Expense account item four, $38.50. Transportation by plane and rented car to Hastings Ski Lodge. As I jounced over the bumpy road up in the Vermont woods, I couldn't help thinking this might be strictly a wild goose chase. But at the moment, I couldn't afford to pass up any lead. It was after dark when I finally drove up to the lodge. It sprawled on the side of a hill way out in the middle of nowhere. There were no lights on, no sign of life about the place at all. door was unlocked. Inside, the room was pitch dark with all the curtains drawn. I couldn't find the light switch, but I had a real funny feeling, like maybe there was somebody else in the room with me. Grant? Grant? Sorry, buddy. You got the wrong party. Bemis. That's right. Willie Bemis. 
Just hold it right where you are, boy. How'd you find out about this place? What difference does it make? Yeah, I guess you got a point there. Except I have a nasty little idea who might have tipped you off. Well, where's Ned Grant? He hasn't shown up yet. So what happens now? So I'll wait for him. What about me? I'll give you three guesses about you, but I figure you're only going to need one of them. of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. And now, act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the ideal vacation matter. Stand still, Dollar. My gun is on the left, if that's what you're looking for, Bemis. Oh, thanks. So Doris tipped you off, huh? I had a little talk with her. And I thought she was a friend of Grant's. You never know, do you? I guess you're right. Dollar, I'm afraid you're in my way around here, and that means... Well, you get the message, don't you? Yeah, I get the message. You see, you made just one mistake. What's that? You should have stayed at home. Yeah, I should have stayed at home, all right. And if it weren't for Ned Grant, I could have. And then it hit me. Sure. Suddenly I knew what the ideal vacation meant for that crazy Broadway columnist. The answer had been right under my nose from the start. Yeah. I'd finally figured out where Grant was. But it wasn't doing me much good. I had to get out of here, and at the moment my chances didn't look too good. You know, Dollar, you got a very funny look on your face. Have I? Yeah, like something just rang a bell with you. Oh, sorry, Bemis, it's... Just my normal, delirious expression. Okay, funny boy. Play it your way. Over against the wall. Move. Hold it. Listen. There's a car outside. Friend of yours? I don't know. I'm not taking any chances. Now you answer the door, Dollar. I'll be right behind it, and this gun will be staring at your back. It could be Ned Grant who'd driven up, in which case I'd have to warn him somehow. Or it could be somebody else, in which case I had to grab their car and get out of here. One thing's sure, whoever it was, I had to move fast. Johnny? I pulled the door open wide, then threw my weight against it. It slammed into Bemis and flattened him against the wall. He was off balance, so I could He crawled and his gun went flying. But I couldn't see where and I couldn't take time to look. I grabbed Doris. Come on. Come on, I'll enter the car. Now, you're going to help me for a change. That was Bemis. Don't tell me you're surprised. You're the one who tipped him off about the ski lodge. But, Johnny, I had no choice. He pushed me around. Yeah, sure. Johnny, where are we going? New York. You think Ned's there? Doris, I think he's been there right from the start. We stopped at the nearest town to call the sheriff. I wanted his boys to try and intercept Bemis. He was a cinch to be following us by now. Then we headed for the city. The sun was rising when we pulled up at Grant's apartment house. The manager didn't answer. Maybe he's still asleep. 
Looks like I have to take another chance on you, Doris. I tell you, I'm on the level, Johnny. I sure hope so. I got to get up to Grant's apartment fast. Now, there's a payphone over there in the lobby. Call the police and then meet me upstairs. Go on. Okay, Johnny. I went upstairs and pounded on Grant's door, but no answer. I went to the end of the hall and out onto the fire escape. Yeah, there was a ledge. Carefully, I worked my way along it to a window. It was Grant's bedroom, all right. And there he was, sound asleep, with an empty bottle on the bed table. So my hunch had been right. Sure, it was the ideal vacation for a guy who was pestered by everybody in town. Tell everyone you're leaving the city, then disconnect your phone and hole up in your apartment for some real peace and quiet. I went to the front door. Doris? Yes, Johnny, let me in. Okay, just a sec. Well, Doris, I was... Well, well. Well, well. If it ain't Johnny Dollar. Hello, Bemis. Now, ain't this nice? So you did it again, Doris. Honest, Johnny, I couldn't help it. He has a gun. He made me. Yeah, sure. Pretty smart, huh, Dollar? Finding Ned Grant for me? You know, I don't think I'd ever thought of looking for him here. But you did, so you're a smart boy. Okay, now look, Bemis. Don't interrupt me while I'm talking. Like I was saying, I'm much obliged to you for helping me find Grant. Now that I got him... Okay, so I don't need you around anymore. No, don't! Slowly and with a smirk on his face, Bemis raised his gun until it pointed straight at my head. Oh, it flew out of his hand. The shot had come from outside, down the hall. Suddenly, the corridor was swarming with police. Bemis dove for his gun. Instead, he collected the butt of one over his left ear. Thank goodness they got here. So you did call the police after all. You bet I did. Now, do you believe I'm on the level? Yeah, Doris, I guess I do. And you took a mighty good way to prove it. Uh, what's going on here? Ned! So you finally woke up. Or yeah. covered up. Hey. That's Willie Bemis they're carting away. It sure is. Well, what's he doing here? What's going on, huh? Hey, look, Bright Eyes, you better go on back to bed. But I don't understand. Just write the whole deal off as a bad dream, huh? <laughs> Expense account total $115.25. And look, the next time you send me out to protect a guy, don't pick one who's going to sleep all the way through the deal, huh? I don't know. It, it kind of takes the sport out of it. And Pat... Since I didn't find a man who ran away for you, on account of he never really ran away, well, how about sending my fee on this one to the community chest? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Our star will return in just a moment. Our... And now, here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, an old, old racket comes to light and nearly cost me my life. Join us, won't you? Yours truly. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.